Off we go, episode 1063 of the Tall Can Audio Podcast, coming to you from our studio, as always, in beautiful Bytown, Canada. My name is Matt Robinson. Thank you so much for checking out the podcast. We've been looking to do this one for a little while. We've been teeing it up here for the last couple of weeks. Joshua O'Connor is here. How's it going today, man? Dude, so good. And you're incredibly patient in waiting for me to <laughs> arrive, so I appreciate that. <laughs> no, it's no problem. We've uh, I, I know you got a lot on your plate right now. Um, with this uh, Behind the R series that everybody's been talking about and uh, everybody's been watching. As always, we'll make sure the links to that are in the uh, show notes at talkinaudio.com or wherever you're hearing us right now. Uh, this is your first time in. Yeah. Normally uh, normally we, we, we crack a pint, shoot the yes. shit, but uh, you got a lot on your plate right now, man. Yeah, there's no there's no beer drinking, unfortunately, no. for me. This guy's going to be up all night again, putting to bed the last episode, yeah. uh, episode four coming next week. We yeah. should mention... Before we do anything else, episode three dropping a couple hours. Yeah, basically by the time people hear this, it'll be out. So yeah, um, yeah. we want uh, wanting to check that out. It's on YouTube. It's at the Red Blacks uh, website, and like I said, we'll make sure the links are uh, are easy you. to find. But appreciate you coming in, man. Dude, it's my pleasure. Truly. You, you are holding a can of something. I am. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I I texted you uh, earlier this week, and I was like, "Is it like uh, breaking protocol if I don't <laughs> drink beer and I drink an energy drink?" So yeah, I'm I'm rocking some some G fuel. Okay. Uh, I needed I need some with maximum effort, like a level of caffeine to right. get me through the day. So this is it, right? You're doing late nights, long shifts, putting this thing together. Yeah. I, I was a little surprised when you said uh, in the green room there, as we call it, before we started that that it's not done. You're still puttering away, right? You got yeah. one episode to go, and yeah. So we ended up having a um, uh, a very condensed release schedule. Right. So originally we were gonna like you know space it out over a few months, and then just the decision was made that we wanted it kind of up and online before free agency hit. Right. And so you know uh, a 14 week working schedule became a six and a half week working <laughs> schedule. Um, and unfortunately, and this is just like circumstantial, is I, I uh, my work computer uh, went down in December. Oh, no. And so I didn't have a computer until the week of Christmas. So there was no pre-production on it. So normally, like, I, I'm not a fan of working, you know, 100-hour weeks or anything like no. that. That's not exactly my idea of fun. Um, but it was just, it just the circumstances that had kind of led us to where we are, which is like, honestly, like, it's funny because I couldn't be happier right now. It's like my job's so dumb. Like it, it's like I'm editing a show that I pitched, like a behind the scenes show about professional football. It's like that's ridiculous. So it's like it's not a. These are first world problems. Yeah. Well, we're gonna get into how that pitch went and and where the idea <laughs> came from. Uh, I got a few questions for you, but yeah, I am not keeping the same hours that you're keeping at this point. So Nor I'm gonna go you. ahead and have a pint. Please do. Uh, but I am going to take this opportunity since you're not having to pump the brakes a little. And I'm going to have a light beer. Uh, this comes from our friends over at the Need a Beer Company. They've supported the podcast for a long time. We love those guys, and uh, and they're anxious to hook us up every now and then as well. So uh, this is very new for them. Just came out in the last couple of months, uh, and it is uh, yeah, it's a light. It's called Need a Light. Uh, obviously, lower calories for those of you who are. I guess we just wrapped up for anyone doing a dry January. This is February 1st as we sit it's here true, right now. Yeah. So everybody's off the hook, uh, but uh, I will take the opportunity to have a light one uh, today. But uh, that's what we'll go with. Why don't we talk just a little bit about your background before we get into the series? How do you end up finding yourself as video guru at the Ottawa Red Blacks? What's your path look like? Oh, man. Um, it's, I'll, I'll give you the Reader's Digest version. Sure. So... Um, Long, long, long story short, uh, I 
I was kind of just like off pursuing a career in retail management. I, mm -hmm. I used to manage clothing stores and I was like super passionate about it, mm -hmm. loved it. And that was kind of where I was headed. And uh, I have uh, I have kids, I have four kids and I- I'm, A busload as Hoff uh, called them when he was in here yeah. a couple weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, when we, we had my oldest daughter, uh, I was on leave and just hanging out and- I had always been in photography. I started in photography when I was in high school. So that had always been present in my life uh, through adulthood as well. Right. Um, and always wanted to do video. And and while I was on leave with my daughter, I I discovered uh, HBO Hard Knocks. Right. And um, Anthony Bourdain's No Reservation. Okay. And those were two huge catalysts to kind of just get the wheels turning that like it was – it. Two for for the exact same reason, just telling stories about something you wouldn't necessarily see those type of stories about, and like you know, as it pertains to no reservations. I'm not a big food guy. I don't really care about cooking or anything like that. But I'm captivated for those you know 45 minutes watching this guy tell stories about food all over the world. Mm -hmm. And with HBO Hard Knocks, you know, it was like 2010, 2011. Is the New York Jets like I'm not a Jets fan, right. but I was a hundred percent invested in all of these guys and wanted them to succeed. And so, just the way that those stories being told affected me really kind of got the wheels turning. And then, yeah, I had an opportunity um, to get into it, and so I, I purchased uh, some video cameras, and I was just like, oh, I'm going to make a go at this, and just did it on the side, like for another four, four or five years. And I started in mixed martial arts and jujitsu videos around the nice. city. All right, yeah. um, and then I did that. And then it just reached a point um, where I, I opened a, a store out. I mean, not me personally, sorry. I managed a store <laughs> that opened out in Canada at Tanger when, when Tanger opened. Mm -hmm. And I was working an MMA show in Quebec. And I just had one of those days where I, I kind of just like took a step back and realized everything I was able to do um, from like a video production standpoint. And I was standing in front of a table folding t-shirts for the <laughs> 19 million time, making the most money I'd ever made in my life. So it was ridiculous. Sure. Um, but I, I just, as soon as I realized, I think I was capable of doing it full time. Mm -hmm. um, I reached out to a buddy and his editor had just quit on this TV show. It was like an MMA reality TV show. Wow. And he's like, okay hey, if you want a job, like I'll hire you right now. And so I gave my two weeks, pieced out and have not looked back ever since. That's incredible, man. Yeah. Like just now, one of those moments where it just dawns on you, right? Like I I could be doing this other thing that I enjoy. I, yeah. I, yeah. And I mean, I, I it sounds silly because I, I don't know, it might sound weird to people to be like, I loved working in retail, but I really did. Like yeah. it was just like every day was different. You're yeah. dealing with people. And like, I, I just, I don't know. I really, I enjoyed the day to day of it a lot. Right. Um, but I just, nothing beats, you know, capturing the moments that I've gotten to capture. Right. And so, and, and to like have that kind of creative outlet as a, as a job is ridiculous. And granted, like between that, exact moment which was 2015 to now there's been like i mean every up and down you could possibly imagine <laughs> as as one experiences when they're starting a business and freelancing um or trying to, to freelance full-time but um yeah it's been a it's been a ride so how do you move from there over to the red blacks uh so that's a great question um <laughs> 
I was working for a broadcast company out in Mississauga and I was overseeing their production department and they, they were kind of like shifting their business and getting out of video production. And mm. so it was kind of like I could stay on and do something else right. um, within the company or I could kind of go back into freelancing and that was that was my plan. And uh, I saw the job posting for, you know, content creator for mm-hmm. the Ottawa Red Blacks, or I shouldn't say that it was the Ottawa sports entertainment group. Sure. And, um, and I was like, huh, like that's, that's kind of the dream was to like work for the football team. Like right. that was it. Cause in, in 20, 2016, I had pitched a, a hard knock show for the Red Black. So at the time I was I was consulting for that broadcast company, right. making an egregious amount of money for very little work. And <laughs> that's the dream. <laughs> it was fun, but you get you get bored. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, so I I had reached out um to some guys at TSN, like friends of friends who worked at TSN, because uh, I wanted to do a, a hard knock show for the CFL because it hadn't been done. Yep. And no one would e- I would either get no answer on my emails or like I got one guy on the phone and he said, there's no way anyone will ever invest money in that. Like no it's just way. the market's not there. And I was like, okay. Yeah. yeah. And then I reached out to the red blacks and pitched them that I do the show for free and no one answered my emails. What? And so, <laughs> so that, so it was very funny and full circle to me that it was like, Oh, you know, like four years later or whatever it was five years later, yeah. um, that I had the opportunity to actually do it. And I, I applied and, Got the job. I called. That was the the hardest I had ever tried to get a job. I, I had called in every favor I had for like job references, put together like the best resume I possibly could that like gave a a, a really solid overview of all the work I had done and, mm-hmm. and the companies I had worked with. Um, and yeah, it it, it worked out <laughs> somehow. And and I yeah, I try not to think about it too much because it's just like sure. it's it's a it's so silly to me. Like still every day, it's so silly. This morning, going into the stadium this morning. Seeing my name on an office at the stadium is the dumbest thing in the world. <laughs> Still, it yeah, really yeah, is. Yeah. So we do get to a point where going into season one uh, last year, it starts with kind of the off season, right? And bringing in Sean Burke and mm-hmm. these sorts of things. Where does it start for you? You've already pitched this once to TSN and to the Red Blacks and they've said no. Yeah. You come back with the idea to somebody, you know, in your head, this is going to be intrusive, right? I'm going to be putting cameras and microphones and whatever all over these people for the next however many months. Who do I want to talk to about that? How does this process get started, man? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, it it always – the idea was always around. I'll, I'll be honest. Like I, it was something I always like kind of soft pitched, I think. Um, and we had talked about it for going into the 2020 – I'm going to try and get my ears right – 2022 season. Okay. We had, you know, like, hey, what if we did something like this? And it, it escalated very quickly. I think once um, Marcel was let go, like, my boss knew I wanted to do it. It had already been in discussions with, um, at the time, Chris Atak, uh, Adrian Sierra, and Mark Gowdy, who are all executives. Right. At, at the Ottawa Sports and Entertainment Group. Yeah. yeah. And so the idea had been floating out there and I, I I was honestly kind of like disassociated with it at that point. And when they knew they would be bringing in a new GM and there would be this whole process, it was brought to me like, hey, do you want to do this for this? Right. I was like, yeah, sure. Like, that sounds great. And, you know, it it was, but it was really at the time 
it morphed into like creating something out of nothing mm-hmm. because everything was an afterthought, right? So I hadn't shot for the entire year with the intention of doing the show. So it was like, well, how can we look back on this season without having that material shot? Right. It's not like this season where it's like everything was kind of planned out, mm-hmm. you know, well in advance. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I basically, I was, I was approached by our executives and my boss and they said, Hey, can you execute this and follow him and then lead into free agency in the draft and so on and so forth. And so it was like a, a very much a hit the ground running thing. I think it was maybe, maybe a, a week or two before they started the interview process, um, all the way up until I think it was April, we stopped filming or something like that. Yeah. Did they tell you at that point, like for now, you have our permission to just film everything and we'll figure it out later, run it by us later in terms of what you're going to put or how to like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's astounding to me, the trust that people have in me. (laughs) Like (laughs) it's never not lost on me and it's definitely not something I take for granted. Um, yeah, it's, it's never been, uh, like I, I think I said it recently on the radio. Like I've been asked to leave the room once ever, um, by Sean hmm. and the locker room once ever, which you'll see on this week's episode of Behind Okay, the episode three so available now. A little tease for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, like, yeah, I mean, I, I got, I have the copies of, of their job interviews, like Sean's interviews with yeah. Gowdy and Adrian and, and Roger. Like, I, it was just like, okay, here, like, here's this material. Let's see what you can do with it. And then as it is with, with Behind the Art now, you know, I go through like four layers of approvals, you know, like I'll, I'll present an edit and Sean, Gowdy, Adrian, Kenzie, they, they all go through it and, and decide if it's appropriate. Right. There, we're comfortable you know? with this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even then, like, you know, with this, this last episode that, um, not the last episode, sorry, but the, the third episode that's coming out tonight. Right. Um, I had like four notes and they're super minimal <laughs> and they were things that I wouldn't really think of. They're very like inside, baseball sure football kind of things um but yeah but the there's never a no cameras today no not like there's never been anything like that which is crazy because they have every right to just be like can you fuck off today and they don't well you may have caught it we had hoffley in here a couple weeks ago and we posted a clip where i asked him i said as the pr guy is there ever a time where you're going through a situation and again this is i'm asking this to hoffley like where Mm -hmm. You're like, okay, something's happening and he's dealing with it or whatever, but hold, ah, there's Josh with his camera again or, or what? Like, I would have preferred this not be captured. And he goes, yeah, but that's what makes the show good, right? Is that the things that will give me nightmares are the things that the audience wants to see or wants to be let in on. Yeah. And, and I think, um, I, I, th- I, yeah, I, and I think it's good for everybody. And, and that's a very self-serving comment because obviously, like, <laughs> I benefit the most from it, I think. Um, well, we all do, I think. Yeah, yeah. but it's, you know, in the day and age we live in, brands can really only portray themselves in the most sincere and transparent form. And I think it's very easy to like stack the deck in your favor when you're, when you're making content and make yourself look as good as possible. And I think, you know, it's disingenuous to not acknowledge how tough the past two seasons have been for us. And to pretend like everything's honky dory behind the scenes is just insincere and dishonest. So I think it's, it's tough at times. Mm -hmm. It's, I'm sure 
uh, a headache for Chris at times. Um, we like that. <laughs> but honestly, it's it's awesome because I think it sounds kind of weird, but I think how tough the last two years are have really helped um, build relationships. Like I love Chris to death, sure, and like we have a really great relationship where. He trusts me that it's like I'm in the room, like I'm not going to accidentally post something on social media or try and push something through or anything like that. And typically in those situations, like there, there were a number of situations over the past couple of years where it's like, I don't want to be filming. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're seeing these post game speeches that are just, you know, rough or you're in, in the locker room at halftime and it's rough and you don't like, not in the sense that I don't want to be doing my job because that's not the case, but like. This it's is not, uncomfortable right now. This yes. is a tough moment for everybody. Yes. And there there have been like some uncomfortable moments where you're just like, ooh, so I'm going to just back off here right, and, right. and let this play out. Um, but uh, again, that, that, that's all credit to Sean and, and the players and the whole football ops staff because they're just, they're like, yeah, yeah, like you do you and we'll figure it out from there. Yeah. Uh, when you sit down to do season one, it sounds like it all dropped in your lap pretty fast. Very much so. Do you sit down and and go, okay, here's the content we have. What's the story I can tell, at least for season one, based on what's already there? Or do you kind of sit down and try and storyboard it out and then go find corresponding media? How does season one come together based on how, like I said, how quickly it, it just sort of appeared in front of you? So a little bit of both, okay. to be honest. Um, as I kind of alluded to earlier, season one was really past um, Berkey being brought on and stuff like that. Like it it was very much fly by the seat of your pants, try and figure it out. I mean, there were, there was one episode in particular, I want to say it was episode three or what would have been episode three that they scrapped like 24 Mm. hours out. Like I had done an entire episode and it was like, nope, like this isn't the story we want to lead with on this episode. Wow. Change it completely. And so you're building something out of just not a narrative they were happy with or I I think it wasn't what they wanted to lead with. Okay. Just that early on. And in hindsight, like typically those decisions, I I very like, God, my boss is a saint because she deals with so much bullshit for me. Just like (laughs) complaining about stuff and being like a giant diva. Like I don't don't own that a hundred percent. Like I am, I can be a nightmare to deal with. Um, it, they're always right. Every time I'm like, oh, like, but it's done and it looks good. And like, it's like, oh, we need to go with this storyline. Nine times out of 10, they're right. And so it's like, I'll be angry about it for 25 minutes. And I'm like, yeah, 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 you guys are probably right. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so it was a lot of, you know, if we had Mazzoli in the building, um, it was okay, we're going to focus on his meetings with Lapo Mm -hmm. and we'll capture as much as we can, get them speaking to the importance of a new quarterback, coaching, et cetera, et cetera. And, like, that's your A story. And then we'll try and find a B story. And I think in th- that season's case, it was, like, Willie P getting signed again. Right, so okay. you yeah. introduce that. But then you will hit a point. Like, I think in between that and the combine, there was just nothing. Right. And that was, like, okay, well, then let's do a retrospective on last year and how tough it was. And that's sure, where we yeah. really – we showed a lot of the locker room footage, a lot of, like, the frustration. We had Nate talk about playing quarterback, like, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um. And that was really dipping our toes into like, let's see how inside we can get with this. Um, but again, that that show really was, that season rather, was very week to week. And in some cases, like day to day in terms of changes and stuff like that. And, and I think it just goes back to the fact that it was a late decision to yeah. do it. And we're all just trying to figure out what's going to work for our brand. So we're three episodes into season two at yes. this point. And... Do you know 
as season one is finishing up, there will be a season two? Like how, how quickly does it come back to you that that was awesome, we're going to do this again? Uh, so I think the plan was, I, I, mean, I shouldn't say I think, I'm, I know the plan was to keep filming. Like I was going to keep doing what I was doing. Mm-hmm. What wasn't necessarily a plan was to um, build off of it as much as we ended up building. And it was, that started, I think by, by the time BC, our game with against BC had rolled around. So that was week three, I believe. Right. Week three, week four. Um, uh, week four. Yeah. Yeah. We had a buy early. That's um, right. That's right. That. Of this past season. Yes. 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 The 2022 season. At, at that point, because I had, um, I had reached out to a, a, body, a buddy of mine in the States who works for NFL Films. And I was kind of just like, I, this is what I want to do. And you're doing what I want to yeah. do. Um, how do I make this On work? the frozen tundras of Lambeau Field. Yes. <laughs> Such a cool gig. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, so I reached out and I was like, you know, here's, where, here's what I'm doing now. Here's what I, I'm planning to do to add on to it. So at the time, like the, the booth cams were the first kind of step where it was like, okay, we'll do the on-field stuff, but then we'll add the GM cam and the coordinator cam and a bench cam. And that was cool. Right. And then I was like, well, I, I still feel like there's something more that we can be doing. And we were already micing guys up at that point, And we mm-hmm. knew that we were going to do that for the duration of the season. And that actually started full transparency. It was like, we're just going to do quarterbacks. Okay. And then we just kind of like, fuck it. Let's just do six guys. Again. Yeah. Because yeah. Um, you can. Uh, sure. But my, my phone call, uh, and this guy's name's Dominic Satterberg. He's an absolute, I mean, virtuoso cinematographer for NFL films. Just fantastic human being as well. And he was like, well, can you do an ISO QB cam? And like, an, like so just a dedicated camera yeah. that follows the, the quarterback throughout the game. And like camera-wise, we, we had the ability. Lens-wise, we did not. And people-wise, we didn't. We didn't have enough shooters. Right. And so that was like really the first, once I went to, to my boss to be like, hey, what do you think about adding this? Which is like a whole approval process in and of itself. It's not just, okay, we need a new lens package. It's well, we need space to do it. We need to make sure we're not obstructing fans. We need to get clearance from sales, ticketing, partnerships, like all that kind of stuff. Yeah, we need a hire to run it. And I need someone who's competent enough to run the camera and then a backup to that person if that person's not available. Right. Because you need to lock these guys down or girls uh, for the entire season. So, but once that kind of was pitched and went through and everyone got on board and then we saw that first game's footage and like you were able to go from booth to booth to field level to QB cam to hear what's going on on the field it was just like oh this is going to be completely different we need to really rethink how we're going to approach the rest of the season because this can be really special yeah and that's that was kind of the moment. So, I mean, there was always like, okay, let's do what we did last year. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of built a little bit. And I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And then once we saw what we were capable of doing, yeah. it was like, oh, this is what we have to do from now on. Right. And we just kind of ran. And obviously, it. if we're doing this now, we're doing it, right? There will be another season. And, yeah. And, and that's sort of where it comes together, I guess. Right? Yeah. And, and the plan was always to do postseason, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, uh, I, I don't know if we're going to keep doing i think we're gonna try and move more in season um moving forward but uh the plan was whatever whatever the end product would be it would always be postseason so that was the one thing that was constant so i always knew like i had like that kind of run up Mm -hmm. to to 
you know, get it together. Um, little did I know. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, we always knew we were going to do something like we did the first season, just like add on a little bit. But then, yeah, about like three, four weeks into the season, we realized like, oh, we can do something very special that no one's really ever been able to do, I think, as far as I know. So when you're going through that in the 2022 season and you're making these adjustments and you're adding to it and the things that you're collecting that you're going to be able to put together at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Are you already, at least in your mind, storyboarding? Like, as I see what's happening here, that would make an episode, or this this play has to be there, or that quote yep. has to be there. Or is it more, get to the end of the year, I have this mountain of content, and I'm going to sit down and try and make something out of it? A little from column A, a little from column B. Yeah, okay. Um, no, so I knew based on 2021, because I, I shot very similarly for, for that season, I knew going in, that you you get to about week 12, week 13 of being able to be on top of everything. Right. And being able so like my my process uh as you would call it is like <laughs> I'll you know get home from a game, offload all the footage and then I'll spend however long it takes to go through everything and then I archive everything in an excel sheet. So I have all, you know, file name, what happens in the file, play time, like all that kind of sure, stuff. Okay. So it's all there. So as I'm doing that, I'm marking off clips and plays that I know I'm going to use for content, whether it be a social media highlight or something that I'm going to use down the line. And that the stuff down the line is more so uh, your locker room footage or, right. you know, anything like that. Some big plays. Yeah. Um, so I'm always making notes, but by about October, September, October, I've built out. Uh, a story arc for the entire season. So I, I'll take a game, I'll write down all the big plays that happened, you know, mm-hmm. who we had mic'd up, who was injured, what the stories were from that game. And then I just kind of keep a running tally until the end of the year. And then when we sat guys down to do interviews, I had like individual question sheets for all of them based sure. on what they did throughout the season. So it's just, it's trying to stay on top of it. And then like, really use your bye weeks to your advantage to kind of play catch up on yeah. certain stuff like that. Um, so yeah, it, it's kind of, I would say you plan as best as you can throughout the season and you pay attention to things and you write things down as best as you can. And then there's some stuff that you think is a story that isn't a story. And that happened a couple of times where you're just like, Oh, I'm going to talk to them about this. And then it turns out to be nothing. You know what I mean? You're just <laughs> sure. like, okay, cool. Like that no, wasn't as interesting as yeah, I thought it was. Exactly. But, and that, and that happens. Sure. Whereas, you know, I look at um, the, the last episode. I feel so dirty, like teasing, like constantly being like, you know, on the next episode. Um, Do it, man. That's why you're here. Shameless. It up. <laughs> um, you know, that game, that game, uh, Coach Dice's first game against Montreal. Right. There was so much that happened behind the scenes that n- nobody knows about, just in terms of like injuries and substitutions. And that content, like, so right now, like I'm working on finishing uh, episode four is I have an hour and 39 minutes of what I would consider usable Keep footage yeah, to you, yeah. just from that Montreal right. game that you're going to have to try and crack down to like 30 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, and so it's like, I love finding out the stories and, th- and that's sitting with, you know, I think it was Nick Arbuckle was the first person to say like, well, Hey, Caleb Evans almost came in as receiver in that game. Oh shit. And I'm like, what? 
He's like, yeah, because you had Devonte go down, Ack went down, Willie P went down, mm-hmm. so you're bringing Marco and Goose in, and so you're making all these adjustments. And it's like, yeah, it got to the point where we almost brought in Caleb as a receiver, wow. and so you have to take that piece of information, then you have to talk to Caleb, then you have to talk to the coaches, then you have to find all the f- corresponding footage that might include those conversations. Sure, conversations happen yeah. here, and that happened, you know, four or five times in that game with with substitutions and stuff like that. So. You have a plan. It typically goes out the window at some point. And then you just try and like eventually circle back to that original plan as best as you can. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I'm actually like pumped for episode four now. Like I haven't even had the chance it's, to see episode three yet and I'm already like on to episode four. It's, uh, it's very, I think episode three, I think is the most honest portrayal of our team. And so, if I may, yeah, because I, I teased this on Twitter, I, I said I would kind of address some things that I saw get called, not called out, but it, questioned. Sure. Um, about uh, how we're portraying the team in mm-hmm. terms of like not being very critical of ourselves. Episode three, <sighs> I think, definitely changes that. Okay. Um, I wouldn't have agreed to begin with. There's some rough moments yeah. that, that you guys didn't have to. Yeah. Obviously, it's going to go through a filter for right, sure. That, but I still think there's been some pretty raw stuff in the first. I think so too. Yeah. But I, I understand and respect um, the criticism if they feel like we're still kind of like keeping it light. Pulling punches. Yeah. 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 And yeah. I, I think if that's how they feel, that's totally cool. Sure. That's, that's valid. Yeah. Um, I think this episode is really like, like, like this is how it was. You know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. Like this is how the guys were feeling. And, and yeah, like, you just said like we, we don't really pull any punches in this episode and it's very uh, yeah i think it's a very honest it's tough to watch kind of at times portrayal of our team and i'm very proud of the episode it's tough because like i have a great relationship with with lapo and yeah. i think he's a great yeah. guy and it's it's tough to have to like you know Document. how do you how do you tell this story right you know and it's it's tough and i, I think we did a really Good. I I say that it's not in a bad. I think you can way, say that, man. You, no, by all like, means, I, I I'm very proud of this episode. I think I think we told everyone's stories respectfully, um, and in an honest way. There's a moment you'll correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, at, towards the end, like almost at the very end of episode two of season two, I believe it's Cleon Lang speaking, mm-hmm. and he's yeah. addressing the team post game. It's another loss. Yeah, he says, "I'm paraphrasing. Maybe I'll just drop the audio in here if that's cool with you." Yeah, uh, of course. But but. This isn't guaranteed. Mm-hmm. We got families. We got houses. We got cars. That shit is not guaranteed. Yeah. Everybody needs to sit down, look at themselves, and figure this out. We got we to gotta turn this into something, man. It's a pivotal point, man. The shit getting spooky now. Wake the fuck up. My dog said it. We ain't going to be here. We got families. We got houses. We got cars. All that shit going to be gone. You feel me? This shit go by quick. This shit ain't guaranteed. Figure it out, man. Take your time and truly sit down with yourself to figure this shit out, man. Let's go, man. Family on three. One, two, three. Family. And then there's this thing that they, the team has clearly been doing all season long. One, two, three, family, right? And it's a cheer. And then we... He's almost annoyed, and I don't want to say annoyed, but like he's down as he's like, this is still something we do, right? We're having a hard time right now. We're still family. We're not super pumped about how this is going. And to me, just having worked with some athletes over my life as well, like you you know when they're 
You know, like we're not going to break apart, but we're in trouble right now. This isn't going properly. I thought that, and maybe it's just my own interpretation of it, but was as raw as anything, right? This guy is still trying to keep you together, but this isn't good enough. Yeah, Cleon's the best. Um, <laughs> that that um, post-game speech was uh, probably three times as long. Like, that was heavily edited for time. Sure. Um, and that was, the, I think, the first time uh, in my position that there had been such a real discussion. Like, you'll see frustration and stuff like that after sure. games. But yeah. not, like, crazy blowouts or anyone yelling or screaming or anything like that. It's, yeah. not, like, it's not a movie. Um, <laughs> but that was the... F- the first time I've really seen a super honest, blunt conversation. And to your point, when he was talking about like the, people are going to lose jobs, you're yeah. going to lose cars, people aren't going to come back. If we keep losing, you'll be cut. You'll be exactly. You're, and this is and, we got to go now. We got to do this. Yeah. So you know, going back to your earlier question, like right. that was a moment where I'm like, okay, well, yeah, I'm going to use this. Like this is yes. phenomenal. Like people need to see. And, and you know, I, I've always tried to capture that narrative um, as best as I can through the show where. I think it's very easy for people um, on Twitter to just be like, you know, team sucks. They're not trying like whatever, you know, they can't get it together. And it's like, I don't, it's, it's easy to do that. Sure. That's what Twitter is. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. But I have no knowledge, but a big opinion. (laughs) That's that's the definition of Twitter. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But it's, it's so important for people to see how hard these guys are trying and how much they care. And that, like this is literally their livelihood. And even in the last episode, you know, capturing some lowlights that I think are important where it, it's little things and it's not a shot at anyone like on the broadcast, but like, you know, Caleb Evan throws that interception mm-hmm. in the last episode and the broadcast is like, Oh, Caleb Evans like has another turnover. And it's like, well, I'm going to show you that he actually threw the correct pass. Right. It was the receiver right. who miscalculated the route mm-hmm. and, that's the reason there was a turnover. It actually wasn't Caleb's fault. Right. But it's easy. You see him get pulled and Nick go in. And it's like, it's important for me to show that like Caleb's first reaction when he gets pulled from the game is to get Nick warmed up. Right. And he's immediately like trying to pump his yeah, tires be before he hits the field. He's a great teammate. Yeah. And so, but like, you don't get that online and people will create their own narratives. And sure. that's, that's the day and age we live in, which is fine. Um, but it's my job to kind of counter that narrative. Sure. Or Here's the real as story. Much Here's context as, as possible. Yeah, for sure. Um, and the other thing I saw online was uh, not, Oh, actually there were a couple of things. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it, man. No, that, so the, the same person who, who mentioned about going kind of light uh, mentioned that we didn't talk about the Masoli thing or, or Nate's, uh, post-game speech or anything like that. So I have that on my list here as a question as okay. well. How much it, the the Masoli thing, and let's just go right to it. Yeah. When he goes down uh, very early in the season, that's in episode one yeah. of season two here of Behind the R. And I, and maybe I'm supposed to be, you'll tell me, mm. I was almost uncomfortable with how close we got to that injury, right? Yeah. Like, and, and what's going through his head and what he's going through. You're seeing his teammates come to his defense and then try and keep his spirits up after the fact. Yeah. And then I was curious and, and you, maybe this is all part of, of one answer for you. I, mm. I don't know. Um, but that Nate Bahar interview after that game was a huge part of the red black season. One of the most memorable things that happened last year. And yeah. it didn't feel like it got a ton of attention in the series. Was that just because we already saw it, right? We got the whole thing in the media. Like how does that game come together? How do you, sit down in your process and mm-hmm. figure out, okay, how am I going to tell this story? 
Anybody that cheers for that dude, supports that dude, cheers when he runs off the field flexing and all that stuff, I hope you find a way to sleep tonight. The same dude yelling racist in the bottom of a pile, the same dude who went low on one of the best quarterbacks in this league, one of the best dudes in this league, I cannot, I literally cannot believe what I witnessed. That was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And you got people screaming and cheering for that. I know this place has to be better. This is supposed to be the heartland of Canada. Everyone's supposed to be hunky-dory and all smiles and all that stuff. That was ridiculous. And number three, we all know since we were in freaking university, since we were in high school, when refs let go for, for God knows how long, we know what happens. It's like the, it's the most obvious thing in the world. You let people punch, headbutt for quarters and quarters on time, you know what the hell is going to happen, and I know I'm going to get fined, and I literally don't care. That dude has two kids. He has two beautiful children he has to support. And you go through his shins and then get up flexing and calling him stuff that nobody should be calling anybody? Come, that's beyond any code of, on earth. That's beyond any code. Hey was in the barn yesterday. He came up to us at dinner at the keg and said some crazy stuff to us. Like it's freaking Friday Night Lights in Texas. Like nobody does, grow up, bro. Nobody gives a damn about you. I didn't even know his name until we had to see him on the field and freaking point at his nameplate because he just injured our star quarterback. No one knows who the hell he is. He set that stuff in motion at 7.30 p.m. yesterday at the keg on Doondy or whatever the hell it's called. That's a joke, bro. And I don't care. We have to play them again. I'm sure they're all going to be yipping and yapping and talking about Bahar, you're, you're this, you're that. I literally don't care. If they support his ass, they know who he is. They know. Because when he left the field, they had some of them said, yeah, we know who he is. We know. We know. We know. And yet everybody's still cheering. Everybody's putting up their hands saying, yeah, let's go. Let's go. That is, that is bull****. That is absolutely bull****. So that, that episode as a whole was something that I, I think I took um, – every step possible to approach with the greatest care mm-hmm. humanly imaginable. Um, and that started with talking to Jeremiah months before I even started editing it saying like, Hey, I have this footage, right? I want you to see the footage and the audio is just as, and the audio. <sighs> and it, it, it was, it was a, a couple conversations and I gave him uh, a bit of lead time and told him like, Hey, I'm going to let you get settled at home before yeah. I send it to you. Yeah. And I said, I, I told him very honestly, I was like, it's incredibly hard to listen to. I don't want your family to hear it. I don't want your kids yep. to hear it. I don't yep. want your wife to hear it. I don't want your mom to hear it. Like, and if you don't want us to use it in the show, say the word. Right. Because you're you're asking someone to relive a major trauma. Of course. For your benefit. Right. Um, and so, you know, that's where that whole episode started. And as soon as we started putting it together, honestly, it just, it needed to be about jeremiah and how much the team loves him and how important he is to everyone in that locker room and i knew going into the editing process we weren't going to talk about garrett marino we weren't going to lean into it we weren't going to mention his name if we didn't have to Mm -hmm. because it's not about him for those who are maybe a little more casual that is the man who made the hit sorry that's okay but Um, that's who threw the hit yeah not a good hit no uh, and uh, has a reputation um, I, I noticed that right away watching you guys didn't spend any time no. on him. No, because he doesn't deserve it. No, um, that's fuck right. that guy. Yeah. Um, I agree, man. <laughs> so, uh, it, it was really, I just wanted to tell Jeremiah's story and, and the team's story and keep it about that and not give any other attention to it. And hmm. in part that really boils down to, and, and this is more like, um, back end of everything is, we knew episode one, we're going to put our, our most uh, effort behind marketing it. It's going to get the most attention. Right. It's going to get, you know, the most articles written about it or whatever it is. Sure. Yeah. I don't want to create something that's going to force him and his family to relive this again. Right. right. 
And so if I lean into it in a negative way, I'm just rehashing a negative experience for Jeremiah, which is a shitty thing to do. Yeah. Um, and so I, I knew I didn't want to go that way. I, I think the organization as a whole wouldn't have supported that anyway, even if I tried. Um, so I just wanted to, to make it about him and how special he is as a, as a teammate and as a human being to the organization. When you and, can see like in the footage afterwards when he's off the field, like teammates coming up to him, you guys dude. show that very clearly, right? And, and trying to reassure him. And I have it, literally goosebumps thinking about it. Like that was like, that was the most not fun thing to edit yeah. ever, to be perfectly honest with you. Right. Um, but it was important to, that people see the human side of the yeah, sport. Yeah. And, but like human as it pertains to the most important person in that situation. And Garrett Moreno is not that person. No. So I, I didn't want to lean into that. And the Nate Bahar thing. So there was an edit with that. Okay. Um, and to do it chronologically, it had to happen after the post game breakdown with Gilly and Brendan Glanders, for those who are listening. Yep. Um, <laughs> and, Gilly did such a fantastic job of summarizing how the room felt and how the room needed to come together. And it ended on like a certain tone mm-hmm. to follow that up with this hyper aggressive clip right. of Nate Yeah, kind of just took away from everything you just built throughout that episode. And so tonally, it made no sense. It felt really out of so place. So it's a storytelling decision. 100%. Right? This is how we want to wind down this 100%. story. You need You needed to not not feel angry at the end you wanted to feel sad like i i hate saying that like (laughs) i want you to feel sad when you watch this but like i'm i'm trying to shape the story so that it ends on a certain feeling right and that post game speech did it or like galanders uh in the locker room does it nate just ramps you back up to 100 and makes you angry and then it kind of dilutes everything you just built for the last 20 minutes so it was an editorial. I'm leaving thinking about thing. looking for revenge instead of exactly. thinking about no, exactly. That's a, that's a great way to put it. And right. so it, it just it didn't make sense. I, I tried to fit it, and we tried to move yeah. it around too. And it just it felt very forced. And it was one of those things that was if if something has to be cut, this was something we all saw. Right? It was out front in the, yeah. the mainstream media anyway. There, the, we can give you some things that you didn't see. Yeah, maybe the, it's more important. The the one thing I wanted to kind of keep uh, to add. A, a, a smidge of context to that or, or some behind the scenes stuff was, you know, I think Nate talked about in the media where, you know, he knew he was going to get fined and yeah. that the, the locker room said that they would pay for it. Like I have that audio of right. him walking in the locker room and someone being like, so how was it? And he's like, Oh, I'm going to get big fine. <laughs> and then everyone was just like, we'll cover your fine. Don't worry yeah. about it. And I, I really wanted to use that. But again, it's just, there's certain things because there are going to be plays that people are going to see that are going to be like, why wasn't this in it? It's like, sure. It's either a time thing or it just, it doesn't fit. Like uh, the, the one thing that I, I did see uh, get called out on Twitter was not talking about the officiating in the Montreal game. Right. So that's twofold. One, at the end of the day, we are a team in the league. We cannot do an episode that blasts the officiating. Like that's <laughs> fine. Retroactive. Yeah. Like there, there's no, like I, I understand the the urge for that. Um, that's fan stuff. That's fan stuff. That's, it is, that's I, not I, what players. I literally yeah. can't do that. You're not going to find any professional sports team that is creating content. Like the Detroit Lions are not producing videos that are blasting. 
There's a moment in episode two of season two where Lapo comes into the locker room and he's already saying to the guys, yes, I don't want to hear word one about the officiating. This is on us. Right. And and fans, we remember bad calls and and officiate players have bigger fish to fry and yeah. it bugs them in the moment no For doubt sure. they, oh, they recognize what's a bad and that goal. game was like the most frustrating from that perspective but as, as a as a team and an organization we we absolutely can't do that and there was never an edit where we tried to do that because I, I know that's just that's a that's a non-starter and, yeah and i respect that sure. completely we we work for people <laughs> um but i did still want to show um like what we call fumble gate where like nate's thing which is ultimately an officiating decision yes um but that's another thing that, uh, I mean, we use that play as a proof of concept for this season mm-hmm. um, to kind of just show people like, hey, look at all the cameras we have. <laughs> um, and just that play, to, to show it with as much context as it really deserved, um, was nine minutes long. Wow. And there were how many plays in that game yeah. that were like controversial? Yeah. I mean, like you had the safety, you, you had a third horse of color, you had a roughing to... the passer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. For a game that we still lost, right? And all you're really doing is you're um, not amplifying. You're you're confirming that, like, yeah, the officiating wasn't great. Yeah, we know. We still lost. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like I have to kind of pick my shots. Yep. Where it's like that's that in that episode. It's like, well, do I spend more time on officiating, or do I tell this story about Caleb and Da not being on the same page about passing? And then that you know you know that was what I mean? A great story too. Yeah. Yeah. Like I I really. I think that does a better job of storytelling than kind of leaning into bad officiating. Right. Yeah. Is there anyone when you go through this and and obviously you've done two seasons now, you'd have a handle on it who has been like, and I don't expect you to name names, but anyone who has said to you, Hey, I love that you're doing this. I respect this. I think this is really cool. Please don't mic me. Like I really don't. I'm uncomfortable being a part of this. Oh, I'll tell, I'll, I'll name names. All right. No, and, and, and I, 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 it's it's like a, a a not running joke, but kind of a joke is Avery Williams will not be mic'd up. Okay. And I love Avery Williams, and I, I will say, um, this past season, I, I got to like work with Avery a lot more, and like we have the behind the air podcast, and yeah, this Friday, new episode coming out. There you go with Avery Williams. Um. <laughs> I, I worked with Avery the most I had um, in the past two years this past year, and I regret not working with him more in the past. He's <laughs> an absolutely delightful human being to work with. Um, crazy smart, crazy funny, crazy talented. and But he will. D- we could be best friends. He will absolutely not be mic'd up <laughs> under any and all <laughs> circumstances. Like... Yeah, like every, I just be like, hey, like, do you think maybe? It's just like, absolutely not. It's like, all right, wow. cool. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, you got to respect it. It's like, sure. that's my, my biggest thing is um, I don't, I don't ever want people to be self-conscious. Like I, I did have another player who I, I won't name. Yeah. Who was just like, I don't want to think about the fact that I'm mic'd up during the game. Like it'll distract me. Yeah, and okay. so it was like, cool. I'll never ask you again. Right, like that. It's my job is to be invisible and in the room on the sidelines, through, like whatever I'm doing. I don't want them to think about the fact that they're on camera, that they're on on air. So, uh, yeah, a- Avery Williams is the only one who I will jokingly sure. continue to ask, but I know will absolutely <laughs> never say yes. Is it a you know? Do you think for him or or for this other like? I, I kind of get the idea that I. 
some athletes, when they cross the the sideline or end up on the court or whatever their field of play might be, mm. just like I don't want to be thinking about anything else but my job right now. Do you think it's that as an athlete or or just I don't want to risk saying something I don't like? I think it, we all live in a world with so many goddamn cameras right now, right? <laughs> like, uh, I, I you honestly, say one thing you don't mean, and all of a sudden it's all over the world. And I honestly think it just comes down to like a, a potential distraction. Yeah. Um, and, and the only reason I say that, and maybe this is. I don't, I don't mean this in an arrogant way, but like everyone's really used to me being around. Right. And I think everyone just has a general understanding. That there's like a 95% chance that whatever you say is going to be picked up one way or another. Right. And that that's just how it is. It's a, just a matter of like not having to worry about anything. Right. You know what I mean? Trust that anything that gets said that. Yeah. And there's. Doesn't help in the story or what. where like I've had guys after games be like. Uh, don't listen to anything after the last whistle. <laughs> Just delete it. And it's like, copy that. I'm probably going to listen, but I'll delete it. <laughs> no, no, I tell him, and I, yeah. I mean it like in full sincerity on my children's lives. You are saving me time by telling me that sure, I can yeah, delete okay. stuff. Yeah. So it's like, great, cool. You're saving me 45 Nothing usable here, fine. Yeah. It's gone. Yeah. So it's like, hey, by all means, if yeah. you're like, hey, get rid of this, like done. Right. I'll save the time. I, you kind of touched on something there that I was about to ask you about, and that is is this idea that at this point, people are used to you being there, like a fly on the wall, there's cameras around, there's microphones around. Mm-hmm. This has become part of the organization now. How quickly did that become the case? When you first started, how often are people, is, that a, is there a camera behind? Like when you're first starting and people are like, this is a, a players only meeting or this is an interview with a coach or, or whatever. I'm not expecting to be recorded right now, but I know there's a microphone right there and there's a guy with a camera. Like, how long does it take for it to become second nature? That's a great question. Um, <laughs> Maybe I should be asking the guys. Not <laughs> yeah, hon- honestly, I don't because it, it was kind of like a day one thing. Hmm. Um, yeah, in, in 2021, it was it was kind of a day one thing. Like, Coach Lapo was awesome. Marcel was awesome. Very much like. Yeah, you film whatever you want. You'd be in the locker room, like whatever. And it, it progressed. Like team meetings weren't a thing. Yeah. Until the 2022 season. And that was a Sean thing. It was like, hey, can I put cameras in the meeting rooms? And <laughs> and he was just like, yeah, sure. Yeah. And like same with Lapo. Like obviously I'm clearing with the coaches as well. And yep. everyone was just like, yeah, okay, sure. No problem. And it's like, okay. <laughs> like, so there, there was never really like a – uh, like a crossing over point. I think it was just kind of a natural progression. And like, by the time it was like, Hey, there are cameras everywhere. Yeah. Everyone was just used to it, but you would, you'd have to ask the guys. Cause honestly, like, I, I don't know for me, it was just kind of always a thing. How many, uh, you know, for an average, uh, let's say during a game day, mm-hmm. how many cameras are you running over there for a home game? Yeah. Um, that aren't TSNs, right. That aren't, that, that this yeah. is just for you guys. So we have, the GM cam, the coordinator cam, the bench cam, uh, the QB cam. I'm carrying two cameras on my person. <laughs> I have another camera cross field, and then I have another bench cam. That's eight. Holy cow. Yeah. And so and next year might be a, a little higher, maybe. <laughs> maybe. I think next you year. You got to tell us what's in your head. Why might we need more cameras? What's, no. no. So that's the thing. Like, yeah. that's kind of the fun thing now is um, – <laughs> Like we, man, hats off. Like my boss is super dope because she has an, uh, so much trust in me and I don't know why. Um, 
we hid everything this year. No one had any idea what we were doing. And so like we had like the booth cams, the QB cam, everything. And like, like I was sitting up with the other coaches up in the, yeah, like on and I, challenges. And, and things I like was, that. I was dead set that we would not put any of that on social media. I had all my crew, my amazing camera team who I worked with all year. Shout out to them. Nice. Um, sign like super strict NDAs, no social media posts, no showing where your cameras are set up, no talking about it, no nothing. Like we were as secretive as humanly possible. And in a season where not a lot of great things are happening, Mm -hmm. to be sitting on this like treasure trove of footage that no one else is really capturing, just because me being a psychopath is like, (laughs) I don't want to tip anyone off that we're doing this because a BC Lions will start doing it, or the Argos will start yeah. doing it, or, or Winnipeg. And so now we're at a point where, well, cat's out of the bag. Yeah. And I'm sure other teams are going to do the booth cams now, and I'm sure someone else is going to do a QB cam now moving forward. And so now it's like, okay, well, we did all that, and you know, we kind of, I don't want to say raise the bar, it sounds so douchey, but like we set our standard for yes. what we're doing moving oh, forward. I like that better. Like I, <laughs> this is the yeah. way the red blacks do yeah. it. It's top end. What well, it is? Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. And now it's like, okay, well, this is where we're at now. So how do we go further yep. next year? And then that can be a secret until 2024. Okay. So I, there are a couple things we're working on. Um, but yeah, so eight. Sorry, that was a very long answer. Get to just eight cameras. <laughs> well, I, I did push you. I was trying to get a, a handle on what's coming next, but that's yeah. all right. So you, again, you should be running this show here because this is, I think, the third or fourth straight question that you've answered before I've had a chance to ask it. Hey, man, what you got? Just in general, we've never seen anything like this in the CFL. But once season one started to roll on, you started to see, certainly they didn't have time to put together a series, mm-hmm. but more CFL teams started giving you more clips from behind the scenes, right? Or in yes. the locker room or things like that. Does yes. that maybe bug you? would be overstating it, but no. take it as a, yeah, like... we we've just changed the game here that's you better keep up or like how do you how do you look at it that other cfl teams are starting to look at it and go oh shit i guess we better get in on this right i'm gonna be very careful with my answer okay because i don't want to slip into like asshole mode because i want to but i won't well basically once you walked through this door of this studio <laughs> it's assumed you're an asshole mode no. that's kind of what happens here no, no, no. So, like, because I, I i honestly i try and be like as humble as humanly possible I'm and like as, as much as i yeah. i love our show i still think it could be better sure and, and that's on me that's 100 percent on me and i'm always going to work to be the best in the league i want to be the gold standard for for content in the cfl i want right. to be better than tsm better than the league and that's not a shot that's just my yeah personal that's my goal that's goal. what yeah, i want to exactly, do 100 yeah. um I will say uh, Nick Kowalski out in BC mm-hmm. is the only team that did it. Um, and my hat's off to him because he produced a behind-the-scenes show every single week for the entire season, and it's very good. Right. And Does he reach out to you before doing it? No. No? No. No tips? No? No, he, no, he doesn't need any help from me. That dude's awesome. Yeah. And okay. uh, he executed it perfectly and was the only team that did it consistently. And so... So the, <laughs> how do I say this nicely? <laughs> I don't, I'm not bothered by it because there aren't many who are going to keep doing it. Yeah. So. Or do it as well. Mon- can I say that? I know you can. <laughs> I will absolutely <laughs> yeah. not say that. Okay. Cause like. I'll say it. Cause Toronto did one. Yeah. And they did one episode yeah. and it looked great. Yeah. And they never did it again. It's hard. <laughs> 
Edmonton did one. <laughs> okay. They never did it again. Uh, I think Calgary dipped their toe in it. Now, Calgary doesn't do a lot of online, like, social content like that. Right. So I don't – and their dude's awesome, like, their video guy. I think they're just very focused on, like, their broadcast and, like, their in-house shows. Right, okay. So it's not really, like, I didn't expect it from them. Mm-hmm. Um, but that dude's great. Uh, and and that was – I think that was really it. I don't think – I think Edmonton tried one, didn't work. Toronto tried one, didn't work. BC, I, I have something in, in my – like, memories of, like, Winnipeg – not doing an episode, but like doing more clips, right? Like stepping up. They did a they did a follow Greg Ellingson for the day yeah, yeah. kind of thing. Um, but Winnipeg, honestly, Winnipeg can do whatever they want. Yeah, they're the best. Like okay. as far as I'm concerned, like Riley Mara, the guy who oversees their their content team, is mm-hmm. is the goat. Nice. He he, like I went out for dinner with him and uh, Adam Kruger, who used to run the Argos social media. Uh, in week one this past season and right. like that's to me like it's funny but like to me that was like sitting at a table with two legends because it's like these guys have done it all in the cfl and i think they're the they're the best so is that just like getting to know your counterparts or is it more like a kicking ideas around how would you handle this here's sort of what we did like how many trade secrets get traded at those sorts of dinners not too much and no. I, I think it's more so just like they i i mean I can't tell them anything that they don't already know. <laughs> and like, I'll, I'll ask their opinion on how they do things. Like a, a big thing that I was asking both of them about was um, like in-game uploads. Like, are you guys uploading clips in-game? Like, mm-hmm. you know, whoever it is, say Greg scores a touchdown, you to camera in the end zone. Like, are you getting that up on social media in real time? If so, how? Right. Um, like, what's your workflow that you find sure, works yeah, best? Like, yeah. I, I've, Man, if someone has something that works, I'm I'm I want to know. Like sure. I'm not like an egomaniac. No, not like, too oh, proud to figure use it. it. Yeah, oh, God, no. <laughs> no, exactly. I just want to be good. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm super down to learn. Yeah. Um. And so like conversations like that. Uh. But overall, I mean, no, those guys, those guys know everything. So it's um. I'm trying to think like, I think Hamilton might've done a, a, a behind the, the scenes type deal, but like their crew, like Zach and Corey are awesome guys. Like they crushed as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't, it, it doesn't bother me to a degree. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting, there's some hesitation. In <laughs> no, this no, 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 It's I like, honestly, like they're, I, I have really good relationships with a lot of the guys at a lot of the teams. Right. I, I think my biggest thing, this is my politically correct answer. My biggest thing is like, I think if you're going to hype that you're doing a behind the scenes show and that you're starting it and you're going all in on it, you better fucking do you it. You got to follow through. And like, that's, that's my only thing is, and like, that's where I say like BC was the only team that did it. Right. BC was the only team like, Hey, we're going to do a behind the scenes show all season long. And they did it. Everyone else dropped out. Everyone else couldn't hack it, which is a douchey thing to say, but it's like, that's, mm-hmm. I think it's a testament to how hard it is. I think it's a testament to how good Nick is at his job and how good BC has a handle on what they need to do and how much, I don't know, organizations pay attention to that kind of stuff. Like I tweeted that the, <laughs> that the I don't know if you saw the Alouettes were tweeting it or like chirping us yesterday. I missed that, I guess. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah, they were just like showing clips from, from behind the hour where like we were throwing the interception uh, or the non-reception reception, whatever. Hey, what, whatever. The social media world's all sure, good. Yeah. I, I, I'm all for the rivalry, honestly. Yep. But I just responded like the Alouettes team reached out to me last week to ask how we did behind the hour. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like you're chirping us using clips of our show. But like 
your creative your, director literally emailed me being like, how did you do this? Yeah, we're preparing to do exactly. So it's like, it's just kind yeah. of funny to me. And I love like Joey over there and, and Alex, I think is is one of their video guys, like super nice guys, but it's just very funny. Sure. Me. It's like, come on. Like you said, a bit of a rivalry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like friend, friendly rivalry. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I mean, it, does, it doesn't bother me Um. because I'm, Every time, with the with the exception being BC, um, that someone's been like, "Hey, we're doing it," or tease that we're doing, it, they've never followed through. Yeah. So it's just like, all right, that's cool. Like, let's see. Yeah. Yep. Like, and and again, like I think people, the ones who do it, like Nick, uh, we need to support it a hundred percent. Like, we need more content creation in the league. Every team should well, this be league, doing especially this. like get yeah. these personalities out here, right? Like, let yeah. people see who they're 100%. showing up for. It, and it only benefits every other team, honestly. Like, the more interest you can create in a CFL team, it will benefit the other CFL teams. 100%. So it's like I, I wish every other team would do it. I hope other teams invest in the ability to do it. I hope we keep doing it. Like, right. I, I, I love what we're doing. I don't expect you're going to want to be too specific here. But how many times have you felt like I shouldn't be here right now? And I know you mentioned earlier on there's been a time or two where you've been asked to leave a room, but only a time or two. How many times has it felt like this is a moment, A, I just don't feel like I should be here for, or maybe B, it's okay that I'm here, but there's no sh- no chance I'm using this. Like, So it's just pointless for me to be here. Like, does that? How often does that creep up on you? Oh, that's a great question. Because <laughs> you've referenced earlier on, it's been a couple tough seasons, right? It hasn't been. Hoff, when he was in here a couple weeks ago, we were talking about the same. You're capturing a lot of moments that aren't particularly hunky-dory. Everything's great right now, right? It's been yeah. two very hard years for the team. So there's got to be some moments where you just like, ah, this is a little uncomfortable. I, I probably could could not be in this room right now and feel a little better. Uh, actually, okay. Um not in a super conscious way because like i'll give you an answer and then a non-answer sure um there are more moments that i wish i didn't have to film um, right so a good example of that i is, should be here but i don't like yeah so yeah, that this is happening jeremiah's injury being one yeah and uh acklin when he got knocked out. yeah yeah i uh i locked my camera off and walked away Right. And just let it roll. Right. Because I, I have a good relationship with Jalen. And like I, you know, coming from shooting mixed martial arts a lot, I've seen a lot of knockouts and right. stuff. And that's, to me, one of the most devastating kind of injuries you can get. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to film that shit. I have to because it's my job, but I don't want to. And yeah. so those, I think, have occurred more uh, than anything. In 2021, there were... I think two or three instances I didn't film the post game in the locker room. Right. Because at that time, I don't think I had the relationship with everyone that it was kosher. Okay. It was just like Lapa was like kind of going off about bad performances and stuff like that. And it was just, it, I try and read the room as much as I can. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't so much a like, I don't think anyone would have said anything if I had filmed. It was, I don't think I should film this like it i feel like it's your choice yeah, yeah. oh 100 yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, like it was uh sask sask was one i think that was, was that week one yeah i guess we only played sask the one time so i yeah. think that was the first week in in 2021 and yeah, then yeah. um uh, at toronto 
um, at some point right, during that right, season. Right, right, and right. those those two games, I I remember very distinctly being like, yeah, I'm not going to film the post game. This is not a good vibe. Yeah. Um, but that's that's really it. Well, let's tee it up then, because as we sit here right now, the uh, the third episode soon. of season two yeah. getting ready to drop. It'll be out by the time people hear this. Oh, uh, and of course, we got one left. And maybe that should be my last question. How do you decide on on four episodes? I know you have hundreds of hours oh. of footage. How do you decide the balance of is it a six parter? Is it a four parter? Is it like how how do we get to a point where like this is the right number? How do I answer this? So it's a, there's a very long answer to this question. Let's put it this way. Do it. Yeah. Uh, there there are parameters put on the show. Okay. Um, from a business standpoint, mm-hmm. and so when we came out guns blazing in preseason, it was like we're in a fucking fourteen one hour episode. <laughs> like, this is gonna be the every shit. week. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was all right, maybe ten. Yeah. And then it was okay. Let's do six. Okay. One hour episodes, and then. Like I said, we kind of came up with this condensed timeline to try and like, and I, and I understand it's, you don't want to constantly live in the past. Right. Um, and then it was just like the decision was made like, Hey, let's just do four 30 minute episodes and like, keep it tight. Yeah. Which honestly, again, going back to like me being a diva, um, <laughs> I was vehemently against and I thought I was like, man, you're cutting out so much good yeah. stuff. I think it was the best decision. I think 30 minutes is the right well, it time. Keeps, I like, think bang, bang, bang. Right. Like every, it's yeah, it keeps it moving. moves. And I think asking any fan after this past season to watch like an hour of that is just mm. a lot. It's a good ask. point. Yeah, it's a lot to ask. And so I was honestly blown away by the reception of of the first couple episodes and the fact that people are so into it and like it means the world to me because it is an insane amount of work and just to to see people resonating and picking up on the storylines that I'm trying to get out there and yeah. that we're trying to like show people like, Hey, like we had some really great people and like, yeah, stuff happened, but like, man, no one ever lost faith in this team. Like the, the fact that people are starting to see that, like mm-hmm. that's it's, it's working. So that's, it's, it's great. There is by the sounds of it going to be a season three. God, I hope so. Are you already like off season mode? Like, is there stuff being filmed right now? You said you were down at the stadium today. Yes. There is content being yeah. gathered. Yeah. Yeah. So we had, um, they're, they're starting to prep for free agency. So we're having coaches come into the building and stuff like that. So we started filming this past Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was back in this morning and going back in tomorrow as well. Um, so there is some stuff. I don't, I mean, like we'll do like off season. I, I honestly, full transparency, I don't know, you know, if there's going to be like a full blown season three. Right. Uh, I think, um, I don't want to say that's going to be dictated by the fans. Because I think people like the show. Yep, hundred percent. So, so we'll we'll see what happens. Okay. Uh, so, like I said, season, uh, episode three out right now. Episode four coming next week. Anything you want to tell people? Keep an eye out for. Here's a moment that's pretty cool. Here's a t- like throw us one more tease before we uh, before we wrap this up. One more tease. Yeah. Um, Something to keep an eye out for in these next uh, two episodes. Okay. This episode. Um, you're going to hear the most raw, like uncut, not literally necessarily, um, (laughs) uh, locker room moment I've ever, uh, in episode three. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to like tee it up too much, but like it's, if there was one moment that I'd be like, yeah, that pretty much encapsulates the entire season. Like it's in episode three. It's very intense and very raw. Um, 
And I think it's going to, again, open, introduce a lot of people to Patrick Levels because it's Patrick Levels. Okay. Um, and just show how special of a person he is. Um, and then episode four, I, I, yeah, kind of like we talked about it earlier, just the watching the ability to kind of coach on the fly and make crazy adjustments, both from a player perspective and a coaching perspective, where I have Darvin Adams showing on the field Marco Dubois how to line up at a position he's literally never played <laughs> in real time before Nick starts. And they're the mic'd? Yeah. Holy cow. So it's like, I, I think it's it's such a testament. Like, man, football's fucking hard. Oh, man. You t- like, <laughs> one of my favorite things to do is like, Nate no matter Mon- what your position is, there's some 300-pound oh, monster trying to kill you while you do it. Like, I love <laughs> talking to like, Nick Arbuckle and, and Nate Bahar, two of my favorite people. To, Nate's been in here before. He's, uh, he's, he's a good guy. I love that guy. To yeah. Death. Um, and like, I'll ask him, like, hey, so like, what when you're a wide receiver, like, what are you looking at when, you know, huddle breaks? And like, or like, I, I asked Caleb and Nick the same question this past season where I'm like, you know, what do your reads look like as mm-hmm. soon as you break a huddle? And they give me these insane comprehensive <laughs> breakdowns of what happens inside of four seconds. Right. And you're like, People do not understand how difficult being a professional football <laughs> player is. So it's like, I, I think you're going to see a lot of that in episode four. Um, but if I had to say anything, man, just thank you. Like the support for this show is, is crazy. Like it's it's so, so cliche to be like being able to produce this is like a dream come true. And like I'll tell my bosses that until I'm blue in the face. Like the fact that I'm allowed to do this shit is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but the fact that people even watch it is crazier to me. Well, like I'll be real. Like when I Hoff had said like you and I had chatted a couple times in the yeah. past about maybe getting in here and Hoff had mentioned your name as a good guy to to invite onto the podcast. This is probably pre-pandemic maybe or right around yeah. the pandemic. But when I heard this was happening, I was excited. I was looking forward to it. But there's a party that's like, yeah, the CFL has its limits, right? Yeah, yeah. This shit looks legit, <laughs> right? That you have put together. This thing looks every bit a hard knocks or a 24 seven HBO. Like this is big league. And to see that, you know, projected over a CFL franchise just reminds you how dedicated these athletes are, right? Like getting that up close to it in this league is just, it's unheard of. We've never had this access before, man. So kudos to you. You've done a fantastic job making this thing look like, like I said, you, you hear, well, there's going to be a behind-the-scenes thing. It's going to be online. You're like, well, let's go. And you know, it shows up. You're like, holy shit. Like, HBO quality, man. Let's keep so. those expectations low. Okay? <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> it's like, that's, uh, that's all right with me. I'm no, glad you came in. Dude, thank you so much for having me. This, this, is, this uh, is awesome. This was great, and uh, the show's great. I encourage everybody to check it out. And one of the things that uh, I had sent this to a buddy of mine who, who listens to the podcast and um, isn't a, a football fan at all. I said, just check it out. Like you're telling mm-hmm. stories more than you have to be a football fan, right? Yeah. And he watched the first two episodes. He's like, this is fantastic, right? Nice. Like just, it hooks you as a, nice. as just a show, right? Like just these are guys you get to know and follow through their journey and the backdrop, even if you're not a football fan, isn't crucial yeah. to the story. As a football fan. I try to make it not crucial. Yeah. I try. And as a football fan, it gives you that extra whatever, but you don't have to be a football fan to think this is awesome. So uh, great that, man. job, man. This has been fantastic. Thank you so much for coming in. Dude, thank you. Appreciate it. We'll do this again. Heck yeah. Maybe at a time uh, when we can offer you a pint, when you're not running on quite so little sleep. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and we'll do that. That is Joshua O'Connor. He is on social media at Arms Race Pro. Anything else you want to tee up here, promote, anything else? No, just thank you for having me. This is awesome. I uh, appreciate you coming in. 
That is episode 1063 of Tall Can Audio. For Joshua, my name's Matt. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you all next time. That's it. Not work under these conditions. If anybody wants me, I'll be downstairs at McDougal. Call the weekend guy. I don't care.